Please be seated. Thank you so much all for having me with you today. Thank you to Todd and to Millie for inviting me into your space and getting to share this day with you. So I'm sure you all noticed I did not process with uh, the group of people, and you might have been wondering why. And you follow your good shepherds, and we follow our good shepherds. And I want to take a moment to share with you a little bit about two in particular, two names that you know, but some stories about them that you might not be familiar. Relatively early on in his story, the Torah says of Moses, Moshe Hayah Ro'eh Etzon Chotno, Moshe was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Yitro Kohen Midian, Jethro, the priest of Midian, V'yavo Acharei Hamidbar, and he brought it after the wilderness, or to behind the wilderness, or to the far end of the wilderness. This is a fascinating phrase, this idea of going to the end of the wilderness. And in the Jewish tradition, we have particular modes of how it is that we interpret the text of the Torah, and one of those modes we call midrash. Midrash is a challenging word to Uh, translate into English. We don't have an exact cognate, but the idea of Midrash essentially means to seek, to ask a question, to find a teaching. And sometimes these teachings come in the form of homilies. Sometimes these teachings come in the form of questions, and sometimes they come in the form of story. The Midrash always comes from a problem in the text. There's something contradictory or something confusing in the text of the Torah itself that requires a deeper analysis. And in this case, the challenge that is presented and seen by the sages of the Jewish tradition of blessed memory is, first of all, why would the Torah define Moses as shepherding the flock of his father-in-law? When a shepherd is out to pasture with the flock, isn't the flock belonging to the shepherd? No matter who owns the sheep, it's the shepherd's responsibility to care for them. So why does the Torah refer to Moses as shepherding his father-in-law's flock? But the much larger question is, what does it mean to go after the wilderness? Can you go behind some expansive space that is completely open? And what follows this verse is, behold, a bush burning that was not being consumed. Why does the Torah connect this idea that Moses had taken his flock to the end of the wilderness to then having his well-known encounter with the burning bush? And through this challenge, the sages of the Jewish tradition, they craft this story that says, while Moses was out with the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, one sheep ran away. One sheep ran off from the herd. I want you to ask yourselves, what would a responsible shepherd do if one sheep runs off away from the flock? Presumably, the shepherd's job would be to protect the entire flock and sacrifice the one sheep for the greater common good of the flock. But that is not what Moses does. Moses runs off after the sheep, and he chases that sheep to the end of the wilderness. And when he finally catches up with the sheep, he finds the sheep drinking water from a spring. 
And Moses says to the sheep, oh, you were thirsty? If only I knew that you were thirsty, I would have brought you to water. After running all this way, you must be so tired. And so Moses picks the sheep up and puts it on his shoulder and turns around and behold, a bush burning, not being consumed. Right, that it is through the act of humility, it is through that act of seeing to the need of that one individual sheep that God saw someone in Moses worthy. That if Moses, with that humility, could shepherd his father-in-law's literal flock, then he had the humility necessary to endeavor shepherding God's metaphoric flock. And this is a model of shepherding, perhaps contradictory to actual shepherding, but this is a model of shepherding that elevates humility as a characteristic of what it takes to do God's work in the world. And they have another shepherd in the Jewish tradition who also went on to achieve greatness, and that is David. Right? That before David was the beloved king, David was a young shepherd. And that same midrash, that same story goes on, and it asks, how did David shepherd David's flock? Well, when David would bring the flock out to pasture, he would build a sheepfold, and he would put the entire flock inside of the sheepfold, and he would investigate them. He would inspect them one by one. And he would determine which were the weakest and the smallest and which were the largest and the strongest, and he would let them out of the sheepfold to pasture and water, first the weakest and the smallest, and only finally the largest and the strongest. And the Holy Blessed One said of David, if this is the sensitivity to which he shepherds his father's flock, then that is the sensitivity to which he can rule over my flock. Right, these two different models of shepherding, humility and sensitivity, that idea of different ways of seeing to the needs of the individual. Moses sacrifices potentially the safety of the greater good because the sanctity of that one individual sheep is so significant. David makes sure that they all start together so he can see how they gather in community and only then recognizes the needs of each group. Two different models of shepherding. We've all had those moments in our lives in which we find ourselves at the end of a wilderness, tired, thirsty, needing someone to pick us up on their shoulders and bring us back. And I'm sure if you thought just for a moment, you can think of those people in your lives who have served as that shepherd for you, perhaps family, Friends, clergy, people who have provided for you in your time of need from a place of humility or sensitivity, recognizing, oh, I didn't know you were so thirsty. Let me help you back. You must be tired. The challenges that life, throw, that life throws at us do not lack. They abound. The world is a challenging place. Life is a challenging experience. No 
more or less today than in any generation past. And right now in our own community, for so many of us, this is an intense time of struggle. There is an incredible amount of fear. Many in our community are in mourning. And they're looking to shepherds. They're looking to people to exhibit humility and sensitivity, to stand with them. And when someone is in mourning, it's our responsibility to stand at their side, to hold their hand and to hold their heart, to hold them in prayer, and to see their individual needs. Even the shepherds in our community need shepherds. In our community of clergy people throughout the Asheville area who shepherd to our own communities, we too need shepherds. We too often find ourselves in the challenges of life lost in the wilderness. In confronting the challenges in our community of racial injustice, in confronting the challenges of economic injustice, in confronting the challenges that oppress not only our entire world, but even our individual lives. We too need shepherds. As a community of clergy, many of us involved in this group, which we refer to as Faith for Justice, we look to a clergywoman in our area, Tammy Forte Logan, whom some of you may have had the pleasure to know, as a symbol of that humility, as a symbol of that sensitivity, who help us, who shepherd, she shepherds us through this time of incredible tumult, of incredible challenge, where we often feel lost in the wilderness of the struggles of the world. And she helps us find our weaknesses so that we can turn them into strengths. What is the goal, ultimately, of a shepherd? It's not just to lead a flock, but to be led by a flock. Now, sheep, I don't know how many of you have gotten to spend so much time with sheep, (laughs) but sheep are amazing animals, truly humble animals, and incredibly skittish are scared so easily. And it's not the shepherd that necessarily protects them from their fear. But the thing about sheep that you should know, and this is not a story, this is actually true and real. Sheep have incredible memories, and they remember experiences when they've been made to feel nervous, and they avoid those experiences. Humans also have incredible memories, and subconsciously we are programmed to avoid those experiences that make us nervous. Sheep can also remember faces. They know the face of their shepherd. And they know faces that they do not encounter every day. They will remember a face. And they can be traumatized, literally traumatized, by a scowl, by an angry countenance. So if you do have the pleasure of having a face-to-face encounter with a sheep, make sure to smile. And it will remember that peacefulness. It will remember that pleasant expression. And it will feel safe. Humans, too. 
grow comfortable in stability. We are able to be vulnerable in a sense of safety. But sheep, like humans, do not have natural defenses. Their evolution has not allowed for them to have a natural defense. So what is the natural defense of a sheep? Now, when they're afraid, right, the impulse is to run away. But they don't run away as individuals like in the story with Moses. No, they run together into the herd. They protect each other in their community. And any good shepherd will tell you, the shepherd does not lead the flock. The flock leads the shepherd. So what is the purpose of these stories of Moses and David, which you won't find in Scripture, but are there between the lines? What is the purpose of these stories? Is it to separate Moses and say, wow, look at this. A regular shepherd might not think to tend to the needs of an individual sheep, but Moses does. David, could you ever be David? These stories come to tell you, yes, you can be Moses, and you can be David. If you elevate humility and sensitivity, if you stand with the most vulnerable in our communities, if you confront the challenges of life in peace and pleasantness, if those who are struggling with these acute challenges of injustice in their midst on a daily basis, they need good shepherds, and that's you. You all have the capacity to be models of good shepherds, to find those in need and put them on your shoulders, to carry people from the end of the wilderness back to the safety of the community. It becomes our responsibility to learn from good shepherds to be good shepherds. It becomes our responsibility to see to the needs of everybody as individuals for pursuit of justice and wholeness and peace for the greater good. The stories of our traditions don't come to isolate these models and diminish us, but to empower us to be those good shepherds. You can be Moses and bring individuals back from the end of the wilderness. You can be David and see with sensitivity the needs of each group in our community. So in this time of struggle, in this time of challenge, where so many of us are standing in fear or in mourning. Be that good shepherd. Put the people on your shoulders. Model humility and sensitivity so others may learn from you. And together, we can create a sense of pleasantness to heal from our collective traumas. Together, we can protect the herd because it is the flock that ultimately leads the shepherds. Thank you again for inviting me into your space and sharing this day.